we, we, uh, we've been uh, tracking with the Word series, uh, and this is our last installment of the Word series, and we looked at um, the power of, of reading the Word. Um, we looked at uh, the power of meditating in the Word. Uh, we looked at the power of obeying the Word, and today we're going to look at the power of declaring the Word. Uh, so I, uh, for those of you who, who are taking notes, I've titled this, uh, this particular message, Declaring the word. And uh, as, as is our general custom, uh, we're going to read some scripture together. And we're going to read a lot of scripture because it's good for us to read scripture, especially when we're talking about the word, especially when we're talking about declaring words. So we're going to declare some scripture. So I've been kind enough to put some scripture up there for you. Uh, so what, what I'm, what I'm going to ask us to do is, uh, because it's good for us to hear scripture, uh, to contemplate on scripture, and to declare Scripture, I'm going to ask us to fulfill those, those, those three uh, mandates together. So um, as we, uh, on this side, you guys can join me and we're going to read together. You guys can then just listen and be impacted by Scripture as this section reads with me in the next, on the next slide. And then you guys can enjoy and be impacted as this section reads me on, with me on the next slide. Um, and then I'll finish off. As I mentioned, we do have... Uh, a decent amount of scripture to get through. Is that okay? Awesome. So, this section, go with me. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. I'll finish off the rest. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. Amen. Awesome bit of scripture speaking um, about Jesus after having received the baptism in water. So he'd been, just been baptized by, by, by John the Baptist. Uh, and and, and the, the Bible tells us that the heavens had opened up and he had seen the heavens open. And the spirit descended on him like a dove. And, and after that, that, the spirit had led him. Into the, into the wilderness. Now, that's in, in Matthew. Now, in, 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 in the book of, of Mark, it, it puts it a little bit, in, uses stronger language because it says that the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. What I want to focus on in this section of Scripture is looking at three things uh, that, I ho- that we'll hope, hopefully have time to unpack. Uh, and that, firstly, uh, is that uh, Jesus was led uh, by the Spirit, that Jesus was tempted uh, in, the, in the wilderness and that Jesus overcame. 
These are the three big frameworks that I want to, that I want to work with. So and we, we can just go back to the first line. Jesus was, was led by the Spirit. I find this particularly impactful and interesting, the fact that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for the purpose of testing, for the purpose of trial, for the purpose of temptation. When he was in the wilderness, the Bible tells us that he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, um, and, that, and that after he had fasted, uh, that, that the devil came and started to tempt him. See, oftentimes, when we are faced with our own wilderness experience, because of our bad theology, we start to declare over our lives that God has turned his back against us. God is judging us. God has forgotten us. God is distancing himself from us. <clears throat> Jesus was pleasing to the Father. How many of you know that Jesus was pleasing to God? As he came out of the water, when he was being baptized, God declares over Jesus, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. In the hearing of the people. The very next thing is that Jesus is led into the wilderness to experience a tough time. The fact that God loves you, the fact that God values you, the fact that God is pleased in you, doesn't mean that you're not going to go through tough times, saints. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have wilderness experiences. In fact, it is the very Spirit of God that sometimes will lead you into the difficult periods. That is not because God is displeased with you. It is not because God is judging you. The judgment or the wilderness was not a place of judgment. For Jesus, it was a place of purification. The Bible tells us that Jesus was purified through trial and through suffering. So the wilderness was not a place of judgment. It was a place of purification. There was an awesome ministry that Jesus was about to embark on. And, he, and, and, the, and the, the Spirit led him into, the, into this wilderness. And he was tested and he was tried. See, if we had proper perspective, there are times that we would face wilderness experiences with great excitement. We would praise God for the purifying times, because we would understand that there's always purpose to purification. Jesus was launched into a phenomenal ministry that is still impacting us today. There are some things that God is looking to launch you into, saints. Some things that he's looking to trust you with. Some great purpose and gifts that he wants to place into your hands, but he wants to purify you. He wants you to prosper into, in the place of purpose that he's taking you into. So he first takes you into the wilderness. That's not God being angry with you. Something else that I appreciate about Jesus' experience in the wilderness is that there, were, there was a, a test there, and the test was, was what quality, what, what is Jesus made of? Jesus, you're about to launch into something great. What are you made of? 
What can we rely on that is in you to know that this will sustain you in the purpose that you're going into? Well, there's only one thing, the one way to know what you're made of, and that's to, for us to squeeze you and to see what comes out. See, when Jesus was squeezed, it was word that came out. When Jesus was tested, it was word that came out. So the test, the test wasn't whether, you know, Jesus is a believer, whether, whatever else we can think of. The test wasn't even what Jesus was putting into himself at the moment. The test was what comes out of you when you're squeezed. That's the test. That's how we know the true nature of who and what you are. It's not what you put in. In times of trial, it's what comes out. And let me say this, because we, we, we often come find ourselves in times of trial, and, and, and we're going to the scriptures, and, and we're going for prayer, and we're asking people to, to prophesy and to declare things over us, and I'm facing a difficult time. Saints, if you are in a place of difficulty, in a place of trial, and that is the moment when you're going to scripture, it's too late. It's too late. If, if, I have, if I have a house and the roof of that house starts to leak in the, in the rainy season and I need to address this and so I need to get a contractor in to give me a quote and to tell me how long it's going to take and how much it's going to cost to fix my roof, and the contractor comes back and gives me this massive amount, if I don't have a savings account, it's too late to start saving for fixing my roof. I can't then start going, whoa, okay, big amount, hang on, I'm going to start just making some quick deposits, I'll be with you in two days, and, 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 we'll, and we'll sort this out. But if I've been disciplined enough, to, put, to, to deposit and to put something away at the time of trial, at the time of turmoil, at the time of difficulty, there's something for me to draw on. Most of us get stuck in this rut of responding to, 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 to difficult times by going, well, geez, I'm facing hectic uh, temptation at the moment. I'd better read some scriptures about temptation. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm facing just turmoil and, and, and I'm, I, I don't know, you know, purpose and I have some decisions to make. I, I'd better read some scriptures about, about how God leads and, and his will over my life. I'm facing some, some pain and I've experienced some pain or some, some tragedy in my life. I'd better, I'd better go to the Bible and I'd better read some scriptures about God's healing. Now, all those are good, but actually, if you wanted to live from a place of victory, those scriptures needed to be in you already. Now it's good to go to the scriptures and they will be beneficial to you next time. <laughs> next time when the, when the wheel turns, you'll be ready. But don't have unfair expectations and use the Bible as some kind of a magic book that you abracadabra, I open, I open to whatever page and I go like this and I land on the scripture and yes, Lord, Amen, that's what I'll do, and it better work out. Spend time in the Word. Deposit 
the word in you, that it may be there in times of trial. That when you're squeezed, it's the word that comes out. Here's something else I appreciate about Jesus' time in the wilderness. Is that temptation comes at inconvenient times. Scripture tells us that Jesus had been in the, in, in the wilderness 40 days before the devil showed up. Jesus had been in the wilderness on day one. The devil didn't show up because Jesus was still strong. He'd just been striding in. He just heard the powerful voice of God. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He'd released into ministry. It's powerful first day of fasting. You're still strong. Second day of fasting. You're fine. First week of, second week of fasting, you're starting to shake a little bit. Ever noticed how when you fast, that's when everybody's generous? And was, <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> I'm awesome at fasting, like, in the morning before I leave home. It's just after I leave home that's the problem. So Jesus had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And the scripture tells us that after he had finished fasting, he was hungry. That's what the scripture said. He was hungry. And then the devil steps in. You're, you're hungry now. Now we can talk. Now is an opportune time. Temptation, folks, is not going to come when you're strong. Let me put it this way, maybe bring it a little bit closer to home. You're not going to be tempted to be unfaithful to your spouse if you're connected with your spouse. You're strong, you're, 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 you're jiving, you're intimate, there's, there's, there's good vibes. Wait until you're distant. Wait until you're not talking. Wait until something's up. That's when you start noticing attract, attractive qualities in other people. You know I'm talking the truth. I'm not going to ask you for a show of hands. You're not going to be tempted to do things in your own strength when you have seen God come through for you. God is coming through for you. You pray, he answers prayer. You declare, it happens. People come to the front, you lay hands on them, they fall over. It's good times. That's not when you're tempted to do things in your own strength. Wait until God is silent. Wait until it feels like your prayers don't make it past the ceiling. Wait until you've been praying and trusting and, 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 and you feel like you've reached your wit's end. That's when the enemy will arrive with a solution. You've prayed, you've fasted, and you've trusted. 40 days have gone, 40 nights have gone, nothing has happened. What are you going to do about it? That's when he's going to come and offer you a solution. So Jesus was led by the Spirit. Jesus was also tempted he was, tempted in the, he was tempted in the wilderness, right? And there's three things that at least I can see that he was tempted with. 
And as we work through these three things, what I want to encourage you to do is this. See if you can find yourself in those temptations. And the second thing I want you to do is see if you can find, see, see if it reminds you of any other instance in the Bible when the devil tried to tempt somebody. Devil shows up and he says, after he said he was, he was hungry, shows up, hey, if you're so hungry, why don't you turn these stones into bread? It's simple. You proclaim you can. You, hey, I believe you can. Do it. Turn the stones into bread. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with Jesus turning the stones into bread? In, in itself, nothing. But what the devil was doing, he, he, was, he, was, he was tempting Jesus in his place of immediate need. See, the whole time that these temptations happening, and you'll start to see it as we journey through here, the whole time that these temptations are happening, there's a transaction that's being put on the table. There's, a, there, there's an offering. There's something, there's a proposal that the devil is bringing to Jesus. Give me what you have, and I'll give you what I have. So it's not that Jesus can't turn these th- the, the stones into bread, The proposal here is, you give me what you have, I've got something better for you. The implication is, whatever God has for you is not as good as what I have for you. That's what's being implied. So what are our immediate needs? For Jesus, it was hunger. He was hungry. He hadn't eaten for 40 days. He was out in the wilderness with the wild beasts. He was hungry. We may have different immediate needs. Now, a lot of our immediate needs, granted, are physical, right? So either we're hungry or we feel deep sexual urges that we feel like, man, do I, should I respond to these? Do I want to respond to these? Do I have an option but to respond to these? I hear that nervous laughter. <laughs> the devil wants to help you out with that. He's got a proposal for you. There's a solution. Here it is. It's easy. For some, it may be an immediate need of, man, I, 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 I have been trusting. I have been praying. I, 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 there's an area of breakthrough that I need from God, and I've been going to him. I've, I've, I've appealed. I've prayed, I've trusted, I've declared, I've done all that I can do. See, Jesus had fasted for 40 days and still wasn't out of the wilderness. And the enemy will come to you and say, you have arrived at your wit's end. You have done all that you can do. God is not meeting your immediate needs. God doesn't care about your needs. Let me sort you out. See, here's the problem, though, if you don't know your scriptures, is that when you, when you are walking, as I'm walking on the stage, this stage is made of material. It's made of substance that is supporting me and, allow, and making it possible for me to walk on the stage. But when I arrive at the end, 
of the stage, that substance no longer exists that makes it possible for me to stand this way. So if I keep trying to walk here, I'm, I'm going to fall over. Right? That's what we see with our eyes. And that's all the enemy wants us to see with our eyes. Because if that's all we're seeing, then all he has to do is wait right here at the edge. For us to walk, and it's fine. I'm fasting. I'm praying. I've got people. Accountability. It's going to work out. It's going to work out. It's going to work out. Breakthrough. Breakthrough. Hallelujah. We're praising. We're singing at church. I'm responding to the prophetic words. Nothing has happened thus far. Here's where the devil's waiting. And he's going, what are you going to do? You've tried. God knows you've tried. Do it this way. But see, if we do not know our scriptures, then we are tempted to veer and go in the devil's direction. But if we know our scriptures, then we know that, hang on, devil, the thing that was keeping me on on, on, on level ground over here was substance and matter. And, and, and the thing that the Bible tells me about substance reminds me about what the, what the Bible tells me about faith, that faith is something that I can't see, but it is a substance. It is a substance of something that I can't see. If it, and if it is a substance that I, of something that I can't see, then it's, it has material value. And even though I can't see it and I can't touch it, then it has the same properties as the thing that I can feel and I can touch, the same properties as the thing that allows me to walk here. So when I arrive at my wit's end, that's when faith kicks in and the faith becomes the substance and the material and the, and, and the thing that supports me that I walk on. Because, dear devil, I will continue to walk. The fact that I've reached my wit's end doesn't mean that I've arrived at the end of my journey. It seems, simply means I've arrived at the end of myself. I've done all that I can do. God begins here and God is pleased by faith. And if faith is the substance of those things that I can't see, then even though I can't see the platform, I know it's there so I'm going to continue to walk. Thank you very much for your offer, but no thank you. That is the power that we can walk in when we know our scriptures. Second area that Jesus was tempted in was that the devil addresses his belief systems. So he says to him, turn, turn, this, turn the stones into bread. Jesus says, it is written, the man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The devil goes, okay, you know some scriptures. I know some scriptures too. I know some scriptures too. So he takes him, says he takes him to the pinnacle of the temple, and, and he says, jump, because the scriptures, your scriptures that you were trying to quote to me, tell me that if you jump, then the God will give the angels charge concerning you that you won't dash your foot against the ground. That's the reality that you live in. That's what you believe. That's what you quote. So do it. What's the value proposition there? Well, you have a system of belief. You have a way of doing things, an outlook, things that you've always believed without questioning. That's your worldview. This is what you've constructed your whole life around. So back it. Put your actions behind your words. Let's see. If you believe it, do it. But Jesus does not feel the pressure to prove to the enemy about the reality of God. His faith is that if I jump, God will catch me. 
But I don't need to test God. I don't need to test God on your behalf. Faith is not testing God. Faith is believing God. So he says to him, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. No, I won't succumb to the temptation that you are putting before me. I won't even do it to prove something to you. Sometimes we get tempted, right, to do silly things because we're going, man, if I can just prove this to this guy, surely this guy will start to believe. If I, okay, we'll, we'll do, you, you, know, you know this guy, ah, but you know your Bible says. I know, you know, because they got those two scriptures that, you know, they memorize so they can hit you with. You know your Bible says. And now you're under all sorts of pressure to explain why your Bible says, how it would materialize, all of these things that you may not even know how to explain, but you're going, I believe it. And guess what? I don't need to prove it to you. I can invite you to believe. I can invite you to walk alongside me. But scriptures say, do not test the Lord your God. And so the devil transitions in his temptation and goes, okay, that's not going to work. I have a big one for you. So, so it says he, he, he takes him uh, to the highest, to, 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 to a very, uh, an exceedingly high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world pass by him. And he says, he says, if you will just bow down before me, then I will give you all of these. I will lay them at your feet. So the third temptation was significance. Here's the problem, or at least here's what Jesus understood. You cannot tempt me with what I already have. You cannot offer me what I already have. The devil does this to us all the time. He tempts you and offers you that which is already yours. The nations were already Jesus' inheritance. But he comes and he says, I will offer you this. Because you see, anything, any significance, saints, hear this, any significance that we receive that is not from God is counterfeit and won't last. It's a temporary solution that won't do the job. Jesus, when he had done it God's way, Bible tells us that God caused him to sit at his right hand and laid all nations at his feet and made his enemies his, his footstool. So the nations were already Jesus' inheritance. But what the, what the enemy was saying was this. Jesus, there is a long journey ahead. There's much suffering that you have to go through to attain God's promises. You're going to have to, you're going to have to, continue to hunger, you're going to have to get tired, you're going to have to talk to people that are going to reject you, some of them are going to want to kill you, they're going to badmouth you, some, some of your closest friends are going, to, are going to betray you, and then if that's not enough, the same people that you're here to try and save are going to arrest you, beat you, and they're going to crucify you in a shameful way on the cross, and you're going to die. But I can help you with that. Because the end result of that is the the, the nations are your inheritance. I can give you the, the nations right now. And so the, the option before Jesus was to take the nations, 
was to take the inheritance that the devil was offering or to be faithful with the process that God had him on and to take the inheritance that God was offering him. Don't take shortcuts. Don't be tempted to veer left or to the right. But if God has made a promise over you, declare that promise. Keep to that promise. The, pro- the, the, the legacy and the inheritance that God gives you will be incorruptible. The counterfeit one that you take from the devil will soon come to ruin. So Jesus was, was, was faithful. The third thing that we see about Jesus is that, so one, he was led by the Spirit. The Spirit led him into the wilderness. He was tempted in the wilderness, and he overcame. He overcame in the wilderness uh, by declaring the word. And so every time that the enemy had something to say to him, he did not negotiate with the enemy. He declared the word of God. It is written. It is written. It is written. Folks, it is written, but you're not going to know it is written unless you read it. Read the scriptures. The promises are there. The declarations are there. The truths are there. And if you live by those, you meditate on those, you you allow those to be an investment and a deposit into your soul, when the trial and the temptation and the squeeze comes, it's going to be the truth of God that flows out of you. There were options before Jesus in this moment. So Jesus, using his eternal wisdom, could have entered into a debate with the devil. And he could have crushed the devil. He could have, I love those debates when you, when, like, you know those debates when you're like, no, actually, I'm an expert in this thing. I know and I studied it. And, and just yesterday I watched a documentary. And this guy is coming. I'm going to crush him. I love those. And, and, and if, if, if it was me in that place, I might have been tempted to go, well, let me unpack something for you. You see these stones that you want me to turn into bread. I can take these stones and I can whatever and I can command them and this and I don't even need to turn them into bread. I can just look at them and through osmosis, I can just receive the nutrients from them and I can just wave. You don't know what I'm talking about because you weren't around when I was around at the very beginning and you see you're talking, I created you and how dare, he could have he gone into all of this stuff. He could have pulled rank. He could have, all, all these options were available before him. Some, some of the options that are available before me when I'm faced with difficulty and when I'm faced with trial and when I'm faced with temptation uh, lead to false victory. And though, sometimes I'm tempted to respond to that situation by manipulating. See, I can manipulate the situation to my favor by deceiving Downright deceiving, I'll just lie my way out of this. I'm just going to do, do, do what I need to do. By withdrawing, I want nothing to do with this. I'm going to pretend like it doesn't exist. By sulking, by I can throw my toys out the cart, get depressed. I can, whatever I can try and do to engineer the situation. And sometimes I can get my way. But those are false victories. Jesus 
didn't do any of these. He simply quoted the word of God. Because if we live by the word of God, if we quote the word of God, if we know the word of God, we can stand against any enemy. We can stand against any enemy. And so, so Jesus does this. There's this three things um, that we see as being principles um, that, that Jesus lived by. One is that, is, to use a, a farming analogy, is that he, he, he sowed, he watered, and he reaped. What did he sow? He sowed the word of God in his heart. We know that from a very young age, he was already engaging with the word of God. At the age of 12, he's found in the temple and he's, he's engaging the leaders in the temple about, about the word of God. We know that the scriptures tell us that he, 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 Jesus would often re- retreat into places of solace and isolation for the purpose of fellowship with God. He was sowing. And we know that Jesus meditated and live by the word of God. And when we meditate on the word of God and, and, and we keep it before us, then what we're doing is we're watering the, the word of God and we're allowing it to nourish us and to grow inside of us and that the opportune time we will reap. And that is at the point of declaration. At that point where we're faced with situations and we can look at these situations and go, nope, nope not aligned to the word of God. That's not what the word of God says about the situation. That's not what the word of God says about me. That's not what the word of God says about that person. And so therefore I will declare the truths of God over the situation. Again, at harvest time is not the time to start sowing. When harvest time comes around, if I'm still sowing, I am not going to reap. Those who sowed during the time of sowing will reap. My seed will not go to waste. It just won't be of benefit to me today. And so my encouragement to you is don't wait for the time of trial, for the time of turmoil, for the time of wilderness, for the time of difficulty, to start sowing the word of God in your life. Start sowing the, God, the word of God in your life. Deposit the word of God in your life today. Allow it to brew inside of you. Allow it to form you. Allow it to take root inside of you. Allow it to become part of you because there will come a day when you're squeezed. And when you're squeezed, let it be the word of God that flows out of you. Amen. Let's stand together. Father, I want to I pray that you would give us a love and a hunger for your word. I want to pray, Father, that when we, when we read your word, we would have fellowship with you. That we would see things in the scriptures that we've never seen before. That the scriptures would come alive to us. Father, give us a grace always making deposits in our lives, always making deposits of Scripture in our lives, allowing the truth of Scripture, allowing the Word to take root in us, allowing the, the, the Scriptures to cleanse us and to, and to influence us and to transform us. 
that how, how, we, how we look at situations is, is transformed. How we respond to things is transformed. When we're squeezed, the things that come out of us are transformed. Father, I'm praying for each and every person in here this afternoon that they would receive a deposit from you of the love of your word. That they would prioritize your word. Father, that if things need to fall away, that, they, that you'd give them that grace, that things would fall away. If distractions need to fall away, then distractions would fall away. But that your word would be central. Since the word of God tells us that Jesus had a close-knit connection with God. He had fellowship with Him. He prioritized Him. And that's why He could rely on Him even in times of weakness. So I want to take a moment to pray for some of you who need to align with God in your lives today, who need to, to have a close-knit fellowship and a relationship with Jesus who need to reestablish your, your reliance on Him. I want to pray for anybody who has never had the opportunity to, to respond to the invitation of Jesus to come into relationship with Him. Or perhaps those of you who have responded but have since fallen away, I, I want to give you that opportunity to reconnect with Jesus this afternoon. I'm going to pray for you. Will you just lift your hands if that is you as I'm praying? Just lift your hands to the Father if you know you need to reconnect. I want to encourage you just to lift your hands on high. Father, thank you for these hands. Thank you for these hands. Thank you for these hands. These hands are your children signifying that they want to come back into relationship with you. These hands are your children recognizing that they are insufficient without you. These hands are your children recognizing that they have faced difficulties, they have been squeezed, and there was nothing in them to sustain them. And they want to be filled by you. They want to be filled by your presence. They want to be filled by your word. That what is in them would be your word, would be your presence, and that's what would flow out of them. I pray that you would see each one of these hands that are raised, Lord. Father, that you would visit them with your salvation. That those who are committing their lives to you for the first time, Father, they may experience the joy of salvation. That those who are recommitting their lives before you this afternoon would know the joy that you feel when your children come back to you. I pray, Father, that the seeds that are sown in them this afternoon would be incorruptible seeds of salvation. Would not rot, would not be dried away by the sun, would not be picked away by the birds or the worries of this life or shame or embarrassment or anything like that, but that they would find fertile soil in these children's hearts. I thank you, Father, for their lives, for their souls that you're saving today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.